handshake. And wonderful about interviewing people is I get a glimpse into their minds. And I'm excited to do this with Kirk Halpern. And Kirk is currently involved and has been over the last eight, nine weeks in a big pivot, but he's also a legend in the Atlanta food industry. So Kirk, can we take us back for a moment? And you, up until COVID-19, were doing exactly what? So prior to COVID-19, and my data uses March 16, my company, and it's a new company, it's Farmers and Fishermen Purveyors, farmersandfishermen.com, you can pull it up. We were supplying the who's who of Atlanta area restaurants um, and predominantly supplying them with beautiful fresh seafood, beautiful steaks, um, and other items like lamb and veal and wild game. And we did a lot of this by working with regional farmers. So you went from wholesale, then COVID-19 hit. Yes. So the, the pivot, and it was a fast and swift pivot, was March 16th. And if I can, Nadia, I'll share with you the story. Please. Okay. So... Prior to March 6th, you know, we had 150 customers, uh, who's who among Atlanta restaurants. And uh, the previous week, we saw the mark, stock market drop 2,000 points, 1,000 points, and now it's the Monday of March 16th. And I was literally driving to go see a restaurant, and as I'm driving to go see a restaurant, market's hitting down another 2,000 points. And all of a sudden, we're getting phone call after phone call after phone call from different restaurants saying we're closing. Um, the governor had put had made an announcement or preliminary announcement that he's going that restaurants and commerce, as we know, it was going to be shut down within three days. Everybody's canceling their orders, and I'm literally driving to the to a restaurant, and I got myself lost. I mean, I got confused because I'm like, I had the weight of my company. Um, I had the weight of the, my company on me. And what happened is, is I was on the phone with one of my big suppliers and I asked him, I said, Marty, what are you and Tommy going to do? And Marty turns and says, Kirk, I'm 62. Tommy's 67. We're going to be sheltered in. We're going to be locked in because we're at risk. And as I'm pulling into my driveway, um, talking to Marty, my wife, who had previously sent out an email to her friends um, and said, hey, if any of you guys are, need some steaks or some seafood, you know, we could put in an order for you and take care of you. And she ended up going to the plant. And she came back. And I'm pulling in the driveway, and I see five, five moms all around my wife's car, kind of like bees around a beehive. And I'm realizing, and I'm saying to myself at that moment, my wife and I are able to take care of our five friends, but who's going to take care of the folks that are sheltered and locked in. And I walked into, I walked into uh, my wife's kitchen. It's not my kitchen, it's my wife's kitchen. And my wife and I, I sat down. I had one quick moment where I thought if I closed my business, what happens? You know, I'm reading out the positive and the negative and what, where I would be. And, and quite candidly, I would be fine. But I have the weight of, I have 35 employees. These are hardworking, good folks, many of which who I've worked for years, others were relatively new, and I knew they did not have the cushion that I had. I knew that they live 
for the most part, paycheck to paycheck. And I made the decision that I'm going to, that I am going to save my employees jobs, no firing, no furloughs, no reduction in pay, no reduction in hours. My community starts first with my employees and those that I work closely with. And I sat down in my wife's kitchen and it took me 13 hours and I drafted out what that new business is going to look like. And I took it from the perspective of if we're going to be delivering to someone's home, what do we need to do? How do we be, be COVID policy compliant a hundred percent? And I walked it backwards and then I walked it to, to where then how are we going to go ahead and implement that? How am I going to take all 35 of my employees who, who all had specific job functions and many of them were going to change. You know, the, the, the lady who handled accounts receivables and accounts payables, her job would be different. But then you're going through the process and saying, okay, if we're going to do this touchless, that means I have to do by credit cards. I've never ran credit cards before. So you're shifting and you're figuring out job descriptions and job functions. And, um, and the next day we pivoted on, on that day. So this is such a great story, Kirk. And what's fascinating is, you know, when you had restaurants, it was big bulk orders to restaurants. But we all know COVID-19, restaurants were one of the hardest hit. So now a couple of things is how did you reach a vast audience and a vast group of potential customers, so to speak? And then how do you go from large orders to small orders? Right. Well, well thank you, Nadia. So the first thing is, it was all old school, you know, um, you know, you know, I'm the dinosaur who's still dependent on my son to get me connected to the internet. So, so it, it was first um, uh, friends and providers. Uh, we put out a press release and started forwarding that release out. And what, what happened is, is we, we grew weeds. And what I mean that is I would get one person in one area who would turn around and, would start buying and they say, wow, this is great. Because one of the things that we did is, um, I didn't listen to any experts, it was all guttural. And I said, I'm gonna price the consumer the way I'm gonna price a restaurant. So, so the, if I was doing sea bass, uh, uh, 500 portions for a convention center, but then you as a consumer wanted to buy one package of sea bass, your price was the same. It, I priced it, for a, a restaurant quality product at restaurant pricing. And what, what the, the important move was, because we lived through this in 9-11, when 9-11 occurred, what we found is we saw dramatic reductions in price in, in high-end inventory. People were no longer eating lobster tails. People were no longer eating um, sea bass. So what we did is we turned around and we, we promoted the items at a tremendous value, knowing that the market would kind of come, would come lower. And then what we did is, is the important part wasn't how do we deliver small to a neighborhood? The important focus for us was how do you take a driver, an individual who's always delivered to a restaurant, and now they're going to be delivering to the home, and we're going to do this touchless. So, I explained, I explained the vision to all of my employees. I call my employees are all partners because they're partners in this business. 
And so now it's how do you deliver to uh, someone? And we came out with our procedures. And I will tell you that my employees responded tremendously. And not only did, and, and I also said, this, and not only am I going to save your jobs, when we grow our way out of this, the first people we're going to hire are going to be your family, are going to be your family members. I just love that for a moment, growing your way out of this. So, Kirk, I have been doing these interviews since the beginning of COVID, and you definitely are one of the first people I've spoken to who sounds like their business, in fact, is long term. You've given yourself a whole alternative revenue stream because one assumes and I, i'm curious to know your thoughts on this do you see restaurants coming back sooner later and do you see the people who have been buying your product continuing to what do you foresee so i see that it's going to be a very tough landscape um and quite candidly we've now had a double punch you had COVID 19 and now just as restaurants are trying to open up, we're, we now have the civil uh, unrest. Um, so now that the, the um, order has been released, but now if you have a 9 p.m. curfew, people are not dining in restaurants. So it's difficult for restaurants. We, we are going to partner with our restaurant customers as much as we can to continue to provide them with value because in so many other aspects, their costs and their numbers are going to be off. The amount of people they can serve in a restaurant is going to be down. All of the different procedures they have to do is raise their costs. So one of the things that we've done is we're working very closely with our upstream suppliers, finding out products and items that we can bring to the market that's going to save them money. And so we're trying to help them that way. The other thing that we've done is um, we've added a part of our line for our home delivery sales. We call it Atlanta Chef's Pantry. So we've taken chefs that we part that we we've now partner with, Chef Pat from White Bull. And what we've done is we said, okay, Chef Pat, do some of your great dry pastas. And he's packaged them up, and we're now showing that off to our customer base. We're doing that with Chef Jeb at Tiny Lou. And now we've just done something with proof of the putting on the shareable sides. And what we're trying to do is create additional revenue streams for our restaurant customers and then give those values to our, to our home delivery customers. So as I'm speaking to you now, I can hear the passion and the you've almost been invigorated by this. So when you look back at your mindset at that time, it appears to me that there was no fear involved. You came home, you saw your wife surrounded by her friends, and you immediately, you know, went into action mode. This, this was galvanizing for you. Well, so as you think about people who are struggling during this process, what advice or guidance does Kirk help her, and who's managed it so seamlessly in a way, give to them? Well, well Nadia, thank you. Believe me, fear was in part a motivator. The fear... The, the, the fear part of the motivator would be letting my team down. Most of my contemporaries that are in the food distribution space, the first thing that they did was they knocked down their people. And, and I took it as a responsibility to save the jobs, save my upstream farmers, give them a place for them to continue to sell their product. So the, the fear was not doing it, not doing it well. Now, what we've done 
is we built on it. So yes, my business now is further along today than it was before COVID-19. So before, so my weeks in the last four to six weeks, my business is up 50, 100%, 125%. And then the fear that you have is you want to continue to be perfect because in this environment, you have to be perfect. The, the, um, the recommendation that I would make to similarly situated business folks like, like me is, is what do you have expertise in? Where is there an opportunity? And then you just go and you just do it. And not everything is going to work, but stay true to your mission. I think that's very valuable advice. Now, you've always been philanthropic. I know you're on the board of Goodwill, and that's something that's been part of your persona for the last uh, several decades. Right now, as the country um, faces this crisis, again, where are you putting your energy? What, what do you see that we can all do to assist this community in really recovering? Well, well Nadia, thank you. First, I think we got to all pull together. We're in this, we're in this together. Um, I, what, what, what I'm afraid of is I'm afraid of that now we have, in greater Atlanta, we have 22% unemployment. Gwinnett County, we're at 33.4% unemployment. So my passion to Goodwill North Georgia, which I'm the incoming uh, chairman of the board, is a Goodwill we put people to work. What, what I try to live and what we try to live is to put people to work. What we also have passion for is providing nourishing food for families. You know, when we were, came out with this model, you know, I had some folks say, well, do we want to have a, a minimum or do we want to have a delivery fee? I said, no. So we're not going to have a minimum. We're not going to have a delivery fee. We're going to take care of the community with nourishing food. Um, and if someone can only buy so much from us, so be it. So I, I, I believe that the community wants to come together. And, um, and we're glad to be part of that. And Kirk, you come from a family of a history of being in the food business. So looking back, is there anything that you have learned from your predecessors going through the trials and tribulations? Any nugget, any pearl of wisdom that was taught to you? Um, yes, you know, every, you know, and as I faced this crisis, the first thing I had to realize is that everything that I've done from growing up in this business, from being a little boy, you know, loading trucks when I'm eight, nine years old and all the different things that I did has all led me to this moment. So, so while I may not have had expertise in home delivery, I have expertise in this business, in this field. And everything that I knew is what I've been applying today. Another lesson I think from you is you went to law school is that sometimes you don't land up in the exact profession that you began out with, right? Right. Yeah. So, so I graduated from Duke, I graduated from Duke law school. I practiced law for a year and a day and honestly, I hated it. And I, and the reason I didn't enjoy it is I didn't feel that I was, I didn't feel I was building. And I ended up calling my dad uh, after I was a year in and I said, I'm looking to jump. And he said, come on board with me. And, um, and I will tell you, you know, I go to my first five year Duke law reunion and I didn't know if I'd be viewed as a failure because I was the first one out. 
What was interesting is that most of the folks had the perspective that if they could have gotten to do something in business, they would have. What I would tell any, any young person is if you do go to a law school, it is a great background for you for business. For entrepreneurial business, it's, it has served me well. So as I'm listening to you, Kirk, I'm thinking, what is the next phase of your life? Is it going to be as a professor lecturing? Because I've learned a lot from this conversation. Is it going to be the book or is it going to be politics, Kirk? Um, the answer is no to all three. <laughs> I'm actually executing a 15-year plan. So um, the, um, and, and it's farmers and fishermen purveyors. And here's the 15-year plan. Um, my son, Ben, um, who uh, joined me when we started this business on July 1, 2019. And the goal was, was to be this a multi-generational business. So the first five years of this 15 years, I'm tough on him. I mean, I'm beating the heck out of him. Uh, but, but otherwise, he would not gain the respect of those that are in their 40s and 50s. Next five years, we'll work closely together. Last five years, if he's earned it, I'll end up working for him. And what I've done is I'm surrounding him with great employee partners. And then what my goal is during this 15 years, my employees are going to share in the profits of the company. Kirk Halpern, um, motivating, inspiring. I have had the privilege of tasting the delicious produce, food, meat, fish. What's your absolute favorite? You seem to do everything. It's fruit, it's vegetables, well, it's well, fish, you, it's meat. Well, you're very nice. I will tell you, I did bring a couple of little yes, things for please. you to see. So these are our farmers and fishermen, USDA prime, prime fillets. And again, the, where we have it priced is absolutely phenomenal. But what I'll tell you that- yes, show, we, me, show me everything. Show and tell works well on television. Well, okay. So let me, let me tell you what was, what's interesting. Among our consumer customers, the order in which they love things is two things. First, they speak of our service. You know, it's, a no, it's no tipping. It's um, my employees have been phenomenal, phenomenal throughout the entire delivery process. But what we get the raves on is our fresh fish. So we'll get whether it's our red snapper, whether it's our red snapper fillets, whether it is our beautiful sword, whether it's our beautiful salmon. So we have all of this great stuff. And of course, we get great response on our sea bass. So we love, we love continuing to do all of our fresh fish, our steaks. And then as we, what we continue to do is we continue to add product lines. So actually this week we launched um, a, a vegetable burger with uh, eight different flavors that's gonna eat great. And then what we also did is we made it where the pack size is small. So you can get a package with eight burgers in it and it works. So we're having fun with this. We're having fun creating and developing, and we're going to continue doing that and continue doing great stuff. Kirk Halpern, for those people whose mouths are now watering and want to order immediately, where do they do that? So they do it two ways. First is they go ahead and um, uh, they can go online, farmersandfishermen.com, and that's plural, um, and that they're able to see our order guide. Now, again, we, we've been pivoting the business. So one of the things is we had to pivot so that now everything's sold by the unit. They will actually be able to actually start placing the orders directly online. 
They can also um, call in on our main number, which is 770-441-1100. Have it uh, probably on the boxes behind me. Um, and the folks that they're going to talk to are going to be professional salespeople who have been sales representatives to restaurants and hotels for the last 15, 20, 25 years. They're the folks that, that are helping them. Um, and we love to, you know, we love to help as many people as we can. Well, thank you. I have learned a lot. I'm feeling inspired. I look forward to placing my order. Farmers and fishermen, purveyors, Kirk Halpern, thank you so much for joining us and look forward to having several conversations about continuing the great pivot as we continue to navigate this uncharted reality. Thank you. Thank you.